Yo, this hot, this the spot, there it is, pod.com. We're interviewing the best comedians, so tune in quick and get your ears receiving them. We're talking about life and life to stream right to you from the microphone right to your home, dude. Side note, this might get embarrassing, but no, don't sweat, yo, because there it is. Welcome to the There It Is podcast. A comedy podcast to help you find your inspiration. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. Thanks so much for being here. We have a great episode today. It is with previous guest Ilana Fishbein, who had been on with Elena Scopetos when they did Sisters 3. And Ilana is back to talk about improv and improv instruction. I find it to be a very useful conversation, but First, I do want to mention something that Ilana has going on. She is going to be running improv in an improv and yoga retreat in Costa Rica with Emily Shapiro, who is also an improviser from The Magnet, but she lives out in Costa Rica now. And they do this retreat every year. It's going to happen in early February, and there are spots available if that sounds interesting to you, then go to ilanafishbine.com and then send her an email saying you're interested in the improv and yoga retreat in Costa Rica, and she will get back to you with more details. All right, without further ado, here's my chat with Ilana Fishbine. <laughs> Thanks for being back, because it's been a while since you've been on, because you were on with Ilana for Elena. I'm sorry. Yeah. You're Ilana. I Elena we, was on with you at the same time for a very pre-pandemic episode. And you all talked about Sisters 3 and we talked about character work a lot. And I wanted to have you back on to talk more about what you've been up to and improv. Yeah, well, I'm really excited to get into it. <laughs> wow. What questions will arise? I know. Sure. Yeah. You know what? I don't even necessarily know. No, I'm kidding. I do wonder, though, about Sisters 3, because I think you're just about to do a run of it when we talked, mm -hmm. and then you did it at the New South County Festival. Did you do it any other time? Well, Sisters 3 has now, well, that was my two-person show with Alanis Capetos, directed and co-written with Peter, Peter McNerney. All previous um, Yes, and we actually haven't done anything with it. For, I'm, I think it might be like five years. Wow. And then we, actually the first time the three of us have hung out in a long time was just a few weeks ago. Oh, yeah. Elena and I texted Peter and were like, have us over for dinner. And <laughs> the three of us hung out and it was like the first time I had really thought about some of the moments from Sisters 3 in the lines. I'd forgotten so much of it. So it was kind of fun to hang out with the two of them and remember all of it. But mm -hmm. We have not been working on anything yeah. since. Maybe someday we'll see. Yeah, so you don't. It, it may come back one day. It may not, or a whole other show might. I, I, I couldn't. I don't know. Yeah. But but it, right now it's just a lovely memory. Yeah. Oh, so it's not even recorded a full show we, of it. We probably have some bad recordings <laughs> of it, but nothing nothing that we would put out. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Well, it was a great memory. I loved seeing it. It was such a great show. But you, we've seen you still a good bit performing because you do ADX. 
also known as the Armando Diaz Experience. Yes. The Magnet Theater. We've gotten to play with you as well, which has been a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, I'm playing with you this time. Yeah, I'm excited about that. Yeah. yeah. Right now, Armando Diaz Experience is the only show that I'm doing on with any sort of consistency. And it's great. I I love it. I think, speaking of consistency, I think it's a very consistent show in terms mm-hmm. of the quality. And what I love about it is that we get to have guests play in all yeah. the time. Like, certainly guest monologists, but also guest improvisers. Mm-hmm. And I think the show just holds up every time because the people who are there really know how to how to play you know yeah and when i recently sat in there was some moment i was just talking about this a couple days ago there was a moment where i initiated something and my back was turned to anyone who would have joined Mm -hmm. and i initiated something and was looking away and i got in my head immediately. It was like, oh, is that a good initiation? Was it clear enough? I don't know. And I turned around and you and Dennis and maybe Matt Shafiq, uh, but I know you and Dennis were like right there, <laughs> like really intently paying attention and present and really invested. And I just felt so supportive. It was like a great feeling of like, oh, I whether I mess up or not, they're already doing something and they're already in this scene in a real honest way, as opposed to what happens a lot in improv when someone joins is they're just kind of standing there waiting for you to explain more, Mm -hmm. but you all didn't do that. And I was like, I am totally able to coast at this point. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't coast, but I mean, (laughs) speaking of coasting, I, I always like when we do the show with a larger cast, like Mm -hmm. eight to 10 people, Mm -hmm. because it just makes me for feel more relaxed, like, oh, I can coast through this and, like, get up when I want to get up. When there are just six people, I'm like, oh, no, we really have to work. Yeah. But it, it does speak to, like, how how the quality of improv does go up when you're feeling relaxed. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it just helps you feel more grounded. Mm-hmm. And, you know, panicking or it's, it's never going to serve you. So I feel like, you know, when I play with people in ADX, I genuinely trust everyone right yeah just a really hard thing to come by and i've been on teams from many years different kinds of teams and i don't know that all those teams ended up landing with that same degree of trust as i feel with this cast even though it fluctuates right yeah i think one thing that is just really common in improv I, i know i do it is either joining or initiating worrying about whether I did that right or am I doing this well enough or am I going to understand their initiation? Yeah, you know what's so interesting? I, I'm teaching an elective right now called Just Scene Work. <laughs> and I this last class, this last Monday, I thought it might be really interesting to talk about initiations and mm-hmm. explore the idea of initiations. I'm going to say right now, I, I'm not sure how well I executed on the class. I'm still dwelling on it. But I kind of came to the class with this sort of idea of there being two different kinds of improv. Right. 
Okay. Of course, we know there's a lot more, right? Okay. But <laughs> short um, form and long. No. <laughs> <laughs> there's within long form improv, like there is sort of a slower burn discovery mm-hmm. improv mm-hmm. that you might see at the Magnet, Chicago and Magnet. Yeah, or at Magnet in a show specifically like Cornfeld or Andrew, right. Cornfeld yeah. and Andrews or Trike. You know, they start the show kind of making eye contact with each other, feeling out the vibe, all of that. I think mono scenes are kind of a slow burn style of improv. Mm-hmm. However, with forms like Armando Diaz experience mm-hmm. or a Herald or a slacker, mm-hmm. as you get deeper into the slacker anyway, the types of initiations that you're doing are meant to be very intentional. Right. Because they're based off of something just for people who don't know, because I know there are people who don't do improv who listen. Um, you guys should do improv. Yeah, I think what you are do you improv, doing, you maniacs? <laughs> but uh, the Armando Diaz, that's... Uh, someone does a monologue so scenes when they are initiated they are based off of some detail or thing from the monologue right there's stimulus that we right. are being inspired by in order right. to initiate scenes yeah it's my favorite form because i think it's just interesting to always reset with a new monologue yeah it's i think it's yeah. my favorite form too in many ways Oh, God, I love them all. Um, but, but you had a point. It means that when you do step out to initiate, you ought to have something specific in your brain mm-hmm. um, that should be clear, concise. You are most likely initiating with a sense of a context, yeah. you know, as far as like where you are or what kind of space you're in, mm-hmm. um, and also who you are speaking to. And right how you relate to them um, mm-hmm. in terms mm-hmm. of how you feel about them. Do you like them? Do you feel, do they make you nervous? You know, all of that. Mm-hmm. And now all of this happens in a flash. And right. as we get better and better, this, the, all of this... Becomes more second nature. Yeah, it becomes intuitive. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that certainly it, it, it's really hard, but I think that we should talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I said... I was explaining this to the class, and I was like, I feel like we should talk about this. It's kind of like having the sex talk. It's like kind of complicated, you know, and kind of scary, you know. And People get nervous about inappropriate, it. Yeah. But we, we got to put it all out there that if you are not initiating in this way with intention while you're doing a Herald in montage or Armando Diaz experience, mm-hmm. you're not fulfilling your obligation as a performer in the ensemble which is such a rough thing to say it is yeah but yeah, yeah i get what you mean but, though but um but it's about helping the scene ha- be as successful as it can be you know and, and helping your teammate and help s- you and also serve the uh stimulus that was given to you yeah right mm-hmm. it's like if the audience for instance even if we're getting we're doing a montage mm-hmm. where all we're getting is a suggestion from the audience and then let's say we're doing four scenes, two-person scenes off of that suggestion. Mm-hmm. We do want to honor the fact that we got this suggestion and we don't want to just go out and do a slow burn scene that's disconnected from that suggestion right. entirely. Right. Because that is, it, this is so weird. It's inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm being very hard-lined here, but there are so many wonderful styles of improv there, I'm not saying this is better than a slow burn, but if it's you are, just what's appropriate for the situation, it's appropriate for the form. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know, some people may be aware of TJ and Dave, and 
they just bring the lights up and they're looking at each other and then they just feel that out like you were exactly. describing that they don't get a Andrews and trike do right they don't even get a suggestion what they're actually doing is honoring that first moment of connection and the vibe right they feel between the, but for between so many long forms of improv and all short form you're getting a suggestion so mm-hmm. what you need to honor is that suggestion there you know if somebody gives a suggestion and the improviser foregoes it and just goes with something else then it is kind of a slap in the face to that person who gave the suggestion oh my maybe that's God. too hard of a, a yes. phrasing but no, it, let's say it is a slap <laughs> in the face but you're not you're not honoring that person you know you're not you're not you're not listening hold, to them in this yeah, whole and you're not holding them up as a part of the show like you're supposed to be doing that was the whole reason you asked for a suggestion right right so when you ignore that then you're kind of cheating everybody yeah i think like part of the fun of having a suggestion or doing an opening or doing improv off of a story is the the challenge of that the, mm-hmm. the puzzle you know the right it's the magic that, yeah that and that that the challenge of what sort of goes on in your mind it, it reveals how people think in an exciting way and you know going out with intention may yield really different results from the individuals on the cast, which is what's, what's exciting about it. Right. Yeah, there are kind of two things, I guess, that are going on there. There's, are you being true to what improv is and what the thing is and what the audiences that are coming to your shows are expecting? You know, it's like, you know, if a magician pulls out a hat, everyone's like, oh, he's going to pull something out of that hat. Mm-hmm. That's what magic is. And then they put the hat down and read a book out loud. And it's like, well, you just... Totally foregone. This is just now foregone, like the whole idea of magic. And then the other element is, well, what are we here for as improvisers on this stage? Like, should we honor what it is we're supposed to be doing? And I don't know. It just seems like not fair to everyone to yeah to throw everything out. Oh, it's lame. Yes, but I am struggling here. And can I let's talk through this? Because okay. as I said, the class. On Monday, this scene work class where I wanted to tackle this issue, I did struggle to figure out how to kind of roll this out and in a way that was, you know, practical and helpful for the students. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think it does have all of this can quickly put people in their heads. Yeah. And I do think that, you know, one of the things we want to be doing as we teach classes and do improv is to feel more to help our students feel like they can trust their intuition and be present and I I fear that everyone left the class just very tight and befuddled yeah (laughs) and so I wonder if I could replay the experience how might I have have shaped exercises Hmm. in a way that was productive and made people feel free hmm. and 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 present rather than under a microscope yeah then i totally feel that because i do feel like i see that a lot more now and i don't i can't put my finger on why necessarily see what more now people being feeling like they're under a microscope oh. and and really uncomfortable with direct notes or I think it's all about how you 
like give direct notes and, and side coach and it's mm-hmm. about finding this perfect balance. Mm-hmm. Like I have this, I get this feeling when I, when a class goes really well and things have really clicked that I, I'm like a gymnast who has stuck the landing, you mm-hmm. know, I'm flinging my arms out and, <laughs> you know, I did it. I, yeah. I, I did the whole routine and it was perfect. But, you know, when it feels like people are leaving with questions and I'm feeling off, you know, it's, no, I, I, I think that's, I think that as teachers, we have off nights. Yeah. And it's good to talk about them. <laughs> you know, like I've been teaching for a really long time and I, maybe it's better to, I, I could, I could talk about things that went well. <laughs> <laughs> but I think like it's important to not get discouraged just in the same way as improvisers and the students right. ought not to get discouraged, discouraged right. either. Like mm-hmm. maybe it's good to have a really imperfect night as a teacher as well. I think so. And I think also I at least think sometimes, oh, maybe I'm giving this person too harsh of a note because they, they look un- unhappy about it. But then later I find out that they were just thinking and they yeah. really appreciated the note too. Yeah. So sometimes I'm thinking of having a rough time and I'm not, but I too, I'm trying to figure out those ways of how to be, how to make people feel free, mm-hmm. but also challenging them because, you know, it's an art form still. You don't want people to be stagnant. And that's kind of what I was thinking. Like, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to challenge them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, in a, in a good way. Like, right. it's really fun. I, I just, I cannot figure out why people seem hesitant to that right now. Hmm. People seem hesitant to receive. What are you experiencing? I, I think we should conduct this like, like yeah. an Esther Perel <laughs> therapy session. I, I, I feel like some of what I am witnessing has more to do with when I'm talking to people about their experience as opposed to when I, cause like the team I'm coaching, I'm not having that issue with necessarily, except for maybe there are times when it seems like someone is getting tight. Like you referenced and I was like, Oh, am I beating them over the head with this and not giving them enough to feel like they're opening up? Like I, I want them to open up is the whole point. I want to get them more vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Some people will say, I have heard some instructors say the fix for that is in warming them up. Possible. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. But was there just so much time when people weren't getting direct notes because of the pandemic that now when they get direct notes, they're sort of like beating themselves up or like what? No, I, I feel like people have been, people are always beating themselves up if yeah. they're that kind of personality. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I think a great example is Woody Fu, mm-hmm. who is famously an amazing improviser, yeah. is always dissatisfied. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and would like leave shows and be like, ah, oh, well, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's like a temperament. And like, are we as coaches meant to fix someone's full temperament? No, you I know? guess not. Yeah. I also, gosh, I. I feel like there's this other thing where sometimes I have students who are ex- express their sort of wanting more. Like, I want more feedback or like, yeah. do you have any individual notes? And that just drives me 
nuts because it's like I just I've been I've been just giving, giving, giving. Yeah, no, like <laughs> you feel like to... you gave them a bunch of you gave no. Or maybe the way that I gave notes or helped to frame exercises didn't scratch a certain itch for them. Right. And I don't know. Sometimes I feel like people ask for feedback because they want to seem like they're really committed. Oh, yeah, I could see that, yeah. And sometimes they and, ask, they'll say, like, you can give us hard notes. I want hard notes. And, that, and it's really, like they really want... that really insults me. <laughs> yeah. And that makes me feel bad. Yeah. Because it's like, like well, I, I, I don't, I'm not coming in here with without a game plan without strategies so when people say this is me really being vulnerable and i'm and i appreciate that you know whatever when people say like i like give us harder notes or whatever like it 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 diminishes my process what you've already done too yeah what you presented yeah and then oh like it's like and it's like i i actually am think about this a lot right and i am you are very intentional exactly speaking of intent like i i'm i'm intentional i really try to be present and i'm always trying to read what people need as performers Mm -hmm. and as individuals and as a group there's probably a reason why i didn't say x yeah yeah and it's like because when you have a group yeah how can i be everything to everyone and also you're not paying me for this interaction. Right. right. I'm yeah. all underpaid as it is. And so, great. I feel shitty. Uh, and mm. now I'm going to dwell on this forever. <laughs> and I'm being compensated for yeah. it. Well, like there is in my coaching class that I took, the instructor was saying that sometimes when people say, like a team says like, hey, you know, you can give us hard notes when you come in. They they really want you to note somebody else on the team. Bingo, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's which is really sick. It is one interesting thing that also happens that's different than that. It's when someone after a rehearsal says like, "Hey, you know, do you have any notes from me?" Yeah, about like how I'm like you're great. <laughs> like I I wasn't not giving you notes because you weren't the problem. <laughs> Like you were doing great. I, I did, my I someone did that, and I said, "My only note is for you to trust yourself because you're really good. Yeah, you don't seem to know that. So I that was or, the only note I could give. Do people really want to know, or do they just want to hear that from you, Jason? Well, like, I wonder. Yeah, I think this person was sincere because they were. I could sort of tell that they were a little in their head, maybe, or just insecure about. Yeah their 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 moves and i was like don't second guess at all you don't need to second guess yeah you're, you're making good choices yeah i mean so it's, but it's a mixed bag yeah there's certainly people who they're fishing for a compliment the whole thing is emotionally exhausting <laughs> it really is and i mean I, I can complain all day but i realize like that actually makes me look and feel bad too so <laughs> i don't know the most interesting thing about to me about teaching is not the giving feedback part. Right, yeah. It's the teaching mm-hmm. part. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think that comes from framing 
exercises Mm -hmm. and demonstrating concepts and then giving people opportunities to practice those skills and concepts. Mm -hmm. And even in the side coaching, it's not necessarily feedback. It's opening up opportunity. Right. So it's like, say more, overshare in this moment. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. Name this person or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where I learned the most. Like, if I were to think back Mm -hmm. on, you know, the note that helped me the most, Mm -hmm. like, the only note that really, like, really had a huge impact on me was, you're too broad, (laughs) probably from Tara Copeland and Betsy Stover and probably said a few times, you know, which is a great note for me because I was really like broad and kind of my performance and, you know, wasn't playing in a more nuanced, grounded way. And, you know, that note helped me a lot. Yeah. But really the thing that I reflect most on are the exercises that I do with different teachers. And I remember those scenes. I remember those things unlocking and really loving them and getting so Mm. much out of them. And that's what has made me a better teacher too because I've taken those exercises and I share them with my students and because I know the impact that they made on me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I... That's more fun too. mm -hmm. It is more fun. That's why I always took notes in classes because I, I would write down the little nuggets of theory or if I got a particular note a lot, then I would write that down. But I was mostly, or at least as much, writing notes to get the exercises and the warm-ups because mm-hmm. I just want to remember those for later. That's great. And and so that. now when I go do a coach a, a practice, I go through my old notes and, and look at stuff to say, like, well, this seems like what they need right now. Maybe this will work, you know? How do you handle when people are in different places, but they're on the, you know, in class, they're doing a set together, and you only have with so much time, you can't know every single person sometimes, but you want everyone to sort of feel like they're getting some attention. Uh, they're in different places in their improv journey or different places in a scene? In their improv journey, where, like, maybe you have a veteran players is taking a class again and then you have someone who's is their first time their first go through of, of improv how do you because those are two such different stages you can't challenge them in the same way you got to approach it differently but you you don't want to focus too much attention on only one of them because the, right. the other person needs some attention too i mean i think that Everyone can benefit from whatever exercise you throw their way. Mm -hmm. And so making it less about I'm focusing on giving you feedback Mm -hmm. and more about let's do this exercise and let's debrief. And I want to hear like what observations you all have Mm -hmm. uh, rather than me spending time focusing on individuals necessarily. Yeah. I think that, that that's probably the way to do it. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I, again, like, there's only... Feedback is only so helpful because the scene is over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was one of, the, one of my favorite notes that I've heard is, I'm not going to note this scene too much because you're never going to play it again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're never going to be in this situation. Do you ever have people replay scenes? 
once years and years ago, but not since I've lived here, but we watched uh, a, a previous show and just kind of went through it. But that was just, I feel like we only did that one time. So I think it was just an exercise for that one time. Sometimes I help all people replay scenes. Oh, you mean replay, like, Let's get back up and redo it again? Yeah, start the scene. Oh, I thought, like, I was thinking replay, oh. like, a video. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, so yes, people have had us replay just to, just because so, it was an exercise of replay. Yeah, I mean, like, sometimes I'll, I don't do a lot of replaying exercises, but Sometimes I'll see a scene and I'll, you know, see an opportunity for how they might reapproach it if maybe they're, they had a want or they knew what, that, what their priorities were, whatever, you know, in the scene and I'll have them replay it. And sometimes it's just been such a joyful event because they'll then have, have a successful uh, experience mm -hmm. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And then it demonstrates for all of us, like, what was, what were those additive things that mm -hmm. made the scene successful this time? Interesting. And usually I'm, I'm giving them a bit of direction. Mm -hmm. um, I'll often also have people um, dial a scene back 10 seconds or 20 seconds if something has veered off course mm -hmm. in terms of maybe they've they like gave up on something or you know <laughs> cut this is actually a movie <laughs> you know like nope come on let's let's commit to this reality yeah or, you know oh interesting rather than letting the scene play out and be like sort of like this floppy flaccid scene <laughs> yeah and then know, just say like side coach yeah. dial back so right. they can actually you know see see a success right with it and then i'll sometimes ask like what were what was that piece of side coaching that I gave? Like, let's remember what that was. Oh, it was to share about myself or whatever. You mm -hmm. know, okay, great, great. Like, that's going to be helpful for us down the road, mm -hmm. you know, to remember that bit of side coaching. Yeah. What is your opinion of, of side coaching? Do you like to do it a lot or is it something that you think you, you try to use sparingly? I do quite a bit sometimes, but I think that in all of my classes that go off the rails, it's because I've done too much side coaching. Oh, interesting. And that has gotten people in their heads. Oh, I see. So, mm. so it's a very like delicate it balance. Delicate. It's like leaving yeah. like a sauce on the, on the stove for too long. It's like just too much. Yeah. Whenever <laughs> I've experienced this, I've seen other people go, go through it too when they get side coached. And they're like, huh? Oh, oh, yeah, okay. And then they are just thinking about how to answer the question. And they, it's sort of like when people say, like, who are you, each other? And so they're like, oh, I'm so, you know, big brother. <laughs> and it's like this awkward thing. Yeah. And they're, they're, they aren't more invested in the scene. And it doesn't make the scene better now. Yeah. Because now they're really responding at themselves being thrown off because they were just pulled yeah. out of the scene so often i like side coach and then i'll be like stay in it stay in it and i'll yeah. be like flailing my arms because <laughs> of that very thing yeah and it's yeah. but it's on a, on a movie set a lot of times they are improvising and the director's throwing stuff at them so they have to stay in it that's a really excellent point and i should say that to people 
I heard that with the color purple. That that heavy, heavy movie. Famously improvised. <laughs> yeah. But there is a scene where Oprah Winfrey there's a scene with Oprah Winfrey and Whoopi Goldberg. And off camera, obviously, Steven Spielberg said he told her to like explain something or like like it was basically like give history on that or you know why does that bother you or what what's something that happened and she just had improvised something <laughs> and I was like for a movie like that <laughs> you're yeah. improvising but and and it happens a ton in comedy movies obviously where someone's throwing a line or, or something but a drama can happen in dramas yeah and they but they have to. Stay in character, but then also hear the note and and be in the scene because they're still on camera. So it's, I wonder what that, for an improv class, like what someone could do to try to get them to stay in it, but also take the side coach and not get thrown off track by it and just, just get more invested. That is really interesting. I feel like there are a lot of character exercises like, for instance, peas in a pod, mm-hmm. or sometimes it's called character baseball, where you have three improvisers yeah. up and you kind of collectively create this character. Mm-hmm. One person creating, you know, like the, the posture. Posture and another with the voice or... Voice or sound. Sound, yeah. Another one, like a, a phrase. A phrase, yeah. So, and then you sort of interview these characters. And in this, they're meant to stay in character. Great. Okay, we've done that exercise. Now we're going to do an exercise where, you know, you're going to be endowed a physicality and your scene partner will be endowed a different physicality you're going to play two characters together and i'm going to side coach in, in the same way as you stay in character doing peas in a pod i want you to stay in character i guess that would be a really good way to scaffold it mm-hmm. and then be like from now on when i side coach <laughs> you stay in character like you just <laughs> successfully did yeah that would be a good way to do it yeah and maybe that would even help someone some people feel like they are getting more free, you know, like they are being freed up. Yeah. I think yeah. like one of the things I sometimes talk about is, you know, sort of like the roots of improvisation. Like if you talk about like Keith Johnstone, mm-hmm. how he created the improv form Maestro. Mm-hmm. And in Maestro, there is a director or two directors and they're, you know, setting up short form improv games for the improvisers. It's an improv competition, sort of. But the directors will sometimes, you know, over the mic, you know, give direction mm-hmm. to the players. And the whole conceit of the maestro is for advanced players and more novice players to mm-hmm. play together so that the more novice players grow their skill set. Uh-huh. And so the maestro, while it's a vehicle for entertainment, it's also a vehicle for education. Mm-hmm. And... What a what a wonderful conceit, right? Yeah. And I think that if we know our improv history, we know that that sort of direction and side coaching is part of the fun. And it's just another thing for us to yes and, and not something that is critical. It's just opportunity because mm-hmm. the director or the teacher really wants you to have the best possible experience. And yeah. they're teeing you up for that. Right. Exactly. Rather than telling you why you're doing something. Right, which I think what gets people in their heads right now, it seems like anything, even if they are trying to tee them up, it's 
that they end up getting in their heads like, oh, I messed up. Yeah. I did something wrong. It's like, well, no. Well, I'm I was trying to do the opposite of that. I think also, like, this is where the teacher or facilitator or coach has to develop a sense of trust between themselves and the ensemble or the class. Mm -hmm. And that's not something that we can take for granted. That's something that's built and that's something that can also be destroyed. Mm -hmm. Um, In the wink of an eye, you know, someone could come in with their, with, you know, baggage from their day and then the director could say something that puts them in a bad headspace, not unknowingly, and then you have to repair that hmm. by being sensitive yeah. to, to that and always proceeding with the best intentions anyway is really important and also like owning when you mess up yeah even if you're the person in charge how do you build that with uh, an ensemble or class well i think that warming up with the group Oh, okay. it's a really good way to do that. Mm-hmm. So rather than being like, you guys play, play past the class, <laughs> you know, I do think like be, being a part of it is mm-hmm. a really good way. I think that not trying to be the, a voice of authority in a way that is mm-hmm. condescending is really important. Right. Um, I think really opening it up to discussion from them, listening to them. Yeah. Okay. Just going back to Keith Johnstone, mm-hmm. there's this really great bit in his book Impro and this status chapter where he describes a teacher who's really adept at adjusting their status mm-hmm. to their students. Like, and is always kind of like going up and down. Mm-hmm. Um, so rather than like always trying to be domineering right. or being so like shit scared, <laughs> <laughs> but like being able to kind of like play those little status games and sometimes let them have, Mm -hmm. you know, the power, the confidence, but then being able to adeptly, you know, take it back. Oh, that's interesting. And I think that that kind of like social skill Mm -hmm. has really served me Mm -hmm. in the classroom and I think can make it quite fun. (laughs) Yeah. I just think I laugh because you're one of our favorite teachers. Oh, wow. Um, so we took level four with you after we had you in level two. We were like... Which level four did... Avente. Okay, great. Yeah. Okay. Because we, we had, at that time, we were taking... There's a group of us that wanted to take, continue to take classes together. And we were trying to find which of the offered level fours, because there are people who don't know again, there are a bunch of different things that people could take for an elective four. different or exactly yeah level four also doesn't, doesn't not exist, exist anymore, anymore so. yeah <laughs> but yeah different you're you're meant to study different forms right your choice yeah right and so we we're like um let's see what's uh, available it's like oh we want to teach a class let's take your class take the event the most <laughs> convoluted confusing <laughs> form well we didn't know anything about yeah. the form we just liked you a lot as a teacher you had that confidence, or, or at least definitely saw the status as you having the high status. And there was a moment when you like teased Elaine, and it was so funny. And she just like she shrunk, but also was like giddy at the yeah. same time. She was laughing at it. I do worry that I tease people too often, and that that's she, wrong. She jo- enjoyed it. Okay, and, and it was funny to the rest of the students. I didn't think I 
never seen cross the line in class in any way. But anyway, I, I was bringing it up because that status thing is very interesting to me. And I got super interested in it many years ago because I, my brother was, uh, he went to do, and he. Very high status. Yeah. And he was a manager for the basketball team. So Coach K, pretty high status. And uh, he told me that Coach K was really brilliant at knowing what the players on the team could handle when it came to feedback. Because there are certain athletes who want you to challenge them in a, in a mm -hmm. like, oh, can you handle it? You know, they want you to charge them up that way. Because some people play better when they're angry or something. That's not something my brother or Coach K was saying. That's just something. But he knew that certain teams that were in front of him could take more harsh criticism but he also knew when they couldn't and that they would shrivel up if they did and so he would adjust to who they were yeah and i thought that was i just had never thought of that before because <laughs> i didn't necessarily know why it would be the case i just assumed a coach would come in and say like here's what we're doing but to be able to sense what someone needs and, and be that is super interesting yeah it's also emotionally exhausting. And then you could be wrong. <laughs> yeah, and especially in so improv. <laughs> and but it's interesting that you say that because it made me think like I'm I'm very sensitive and mm. I would say that like I'm very sensitive to criticism mm. and maybe I I got better at improv because I was trying to dodge any criticism. <laughs> <laughs> and so that, that got me good at it real quick because I didn't want to get bad notes or whatever. So I think that I'm probably, probably of the mindset that perhaps people are quite sensitive as well. Mm. I don't think I, I'm not toxically positive either. No, no. I don't think you're toxic either way. I, I am. Or positive, like overly positive. Right, I'm not right. sunshine and rainbows. No, yeah. You're not you're not lying to people either way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the thing like but not every like thing needs to be said. Yeah, exactly. Cuz you can't overnote. It's possible to overnote a group. When a team you're coaching mm -hmm. has a not great show. Mhm. Mm do you, something that I sometimes do is I'll be like, "Well, that wasn't that good. That's okay. Let's like have this moment to laugh about it." Oh, interesting. That's like, a good approach. Like, I'm not going to, like, let's be honest. That was rough. And the audience was, like, dead. <laughs> and just, like, unresponsive. Yeah. So let's not yeah. go nuts you don't about have to go, it. Yeah. But, like, here are things we can work on. But I also mm -hmm. think we should just be okay that sometimes we have a rough show and that's, that yeah. happens. That's a good, I think, thing to do to let them be able to sit with it and be fine. Because uh, when there was a show that wasn't, solid I, and this is kind of my mo in life in general is what is the most positive true statement i can make so i'll point out things that went well mm -hmm. and then i'll point out maybe a couple things that didn't go well and why and how we can just work on that and we'll be fine yeah <laughs> that's generally what i do but i don't want them to be too down about a show either because you do want them to shake it off yeah, someone emailed me recently after a class where they like just were struggling and they were like, I don't even know that this makes sense and I don't even know why I'm emailing you. I just felt shitty about tonight and, you know, 
and uh god bye (laughs) (laughs) and i just went back and this person has quite a good sense of humor and i was basically like i get it my advice just let it go (laughs) you know because there's no point in harboring any kind of grief yeah (laughs) about about a night of improv just Thankfully, I the team I'm coaching hasn't had a bad show. That's great. <laughs> they've had they've had a couple of shows where things maybe you know, and they they said where just something felt off. It was like oh, I don't know, we lost track of something, and I was like, yeah, that's okay. Yeah, you had these moments that hit really hard. Yeah, and we're good, and you're a good team. Shows like this happen. It was just more like a blah show than anything yeah and you can't do anything like shows are going to be blocked that's just going to happen they're not always going to be home runs you know like they can't all be tens i don't care how the good good the improvisers are i just don't think they can all be tens yeah sometimes armando diaz experienced we have a nine and a half and we just have to settle (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) i've been to a lot of not 10 adx shows there have been Um, some there have been uh, some clunkers yeah, but I've not seen one where I was like, that was not good. That was a bad show. Sometimes the vibe can be off, though. You know, mm-hmm. like for any any group, like the vibe can just be off and it just doesn't hit like it normally does. And that can make it feel like it's lower of a show than it. If you're usually having eights and nines yeah. and tens, then if you have like a six, <laughs> then it could feel like a three. But like, this is a good thing to remember and you know as improvisers we can't control everything no and that's okay like yeah. that's that's the beauty of it that mm-hmm. and that that not controlling everything will yield genius and magic but it may also yield a mess and silence mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and i think that every time that we do a show good or bad and we come out of it alive you know it's a lesson that like yeah that it's all fine right right yeah i think so often when people fall in love with improv is because of a magical show that they saw Mm -hmm. like they just saw something that was just so or that first time they get a laugh yeah and i think that magic isn't like that magic of being in the audience and seeing something unreal isn't always going to happen. Mm-hmm. And it's a bit of a shock when people <laughs> start performing shows more regularly and they're like, gosh, I'm just never going to be good because I'm not hitting that magic that that show that I saw was. It's like, well, <laughs> they weren't hitting that magic all the time either. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, and that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I guess this brings us to the question, like, what's the point? <laughs> Of it all. <laughs> I, you know, that kind of does bring us to that question because, you know, sometimes we are like, if it's an art form and if we do a show that doesn't feel like it has integrity, I guess, like it, like there wasn't real exploration, what was the point? It does sort of make you go, like, well, why did we even do this? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at least you weren't fracking. Or, like, <laughs> right. Yeah. I, 
Like, there's some worse things there you could things be you doing. Could do than a show that was mediocre. You're not sponsored by fracking, are you? <laughs> yeah. So let's go back to this thing you were talking about with the scene work class. Uh-huh. About, I feel like we haven't fully addressed everything maybe you wanted to address. And I want to say, like, we had a phenomenal first class, and mm-hmm. then we had this weird second class. And anyone that's in class that's listening, I love you. I, I just felt weird. Okay, go on. <laughs> so what is, is for you the, is the thing you're looking for is how to challenge people but also get them to open up and not feel, not get tight? Mm-hmm. Is that ultimately what you're going for? God, well, the thing that's tough is, so the class is framed as we're just going to be doing scene work. We're not going to be doing forms. It's just a four-week elective kind of to get reps, right? Mm-hmm. And the first week, I at the end of class, I collected note cards where folks just wrote things that they want to work on, mm-hmm. things that mm-hmm. might be sort of holes in their skill set or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then I collected those, and then it's like, God, there's no, like, thread here. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> some They're people said environments, some yeah. people said whatever. But there's this one card that said, like, how do I, how, how, how should I approach that, that moment, like right before I initiate a scene? Like, mm. how do I get into that, the right mindset? Mm, and I that's an interesting that was, question. Yeah, I thought that was such an interesting question. And it led me to that premise of there are two types of ways that we initiate scenes. Mm-hmm. The slow burn discovery scenes versus the intention scenes. Right. And I thought this could be helpful for everyone, depending on whatever they're wanting to work on. However, the thing is, going back to those note cards, Mm -hmm. is that I think it's actually very difficult for people to identify what they should work on. Mm -hmm. Because they don't even... Not everyone knows what is possible to work on. Mm -hmm. Like, some people aren't... Status isn't even, like, on their radar necessarily, or objectives or wants or whatever Mm -hmm. um and this also goes for teams you know Mm -hmm. when they contact a coach and they're like we need to work on x you know Mm -hmm. they're usually talking about another player on their team right right absolutely Absolutely. yeah um (laughs) they never they're never looking at enough tape to be like i do this all the time or i get this note all the time right on that yeah or when a team is like, we should change our form because they just had a bad show. <laughs> right. Or we should always do this form because they had a good show. <laughs> Where improvisers are very immediate. <laughs> and I think it's it's hard to really self-diagnose. Mm-hmm. And so I am not entirely sure where we're going to go for weeks three and four of the scene mark class. Mm. Because I don't know how much to trust their note cards. <laughs> and I don't know how much to trust myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not a team that's there, right? So they, right. I guess they, they aren't saying, well, this person really needs to work. No, not at all. But is it because there isn't a common enough thread? There isn't a common thread. But I think what I'll end up doing is I'll, I'll probably work more specifically on other note card items. Mm-hmm. But... You know, like people write environment work or object work. And it's like that doesn't necessarily make a good scene. 
Mm-hmm. But it was richest scenes. Right. So, sure. I wish more people wrote wants, <laughs> to be honest. You're big on wants. I'm big on wants. <laughs> yeah. I think that, like, so many scenes crash and burn because people don't want anything. Yeah. I, I, my team that I coach just had a, they had a really great show last night. And I felt like the, one of the common things that happened throughout the show was that characters had a really more, more so than a, a, a specific perspective. They had a specific emotion about what was going on uh-huh. and, and how they felt about the other person in the scene. And so they were being really intentional with it. And that really was like the secret ingredient that made the whole show really pop and work. Yeah, it sounds like they were reacting to each other. Yeah. The thing I see so often when scenes kind of go off the rails is mm-hmm. people start trying to solve the situation. Yeah. And they're like brainstorming mm-hmm. sort of, but in yeah. trying to solute, trying to figure out a solution to something, they lose all perspective. Yeah. Emotion. They're either the characters trying to solve, they, they create a problem and the characters is trying to solve it or the improviser is trying to solve an improv thing that they see, like, this show isn't going well. What does it need? It needs a <laughs> jolt of this. Yeah, and then you <laughs> hop in there, and it's like, yeah, it didn't need that. <laughs> it really didn't need that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's when people stop actually reacting to each other. Exactly. And they're not in it. They're not in the world of the scene. Yeah. They're not emotionally connected. They're not paying attention, really, in a true way to each other. So it doesn't flow at all. Yeah, improv... There should be an improv class just called Fix Nothing. (laughs) (laughs) It's all about people flowing and connecting and just responding to each other genuinely. Yeah. Yeah, without being in their heads. Yeah. I also, in this class, I have someone who wrote on a note card that the thing that they want to work on is low-level conflict. And I... Was like every scene is low level conflict. <laughs> I don't even know where to begin with this. Maybe um, that's the thing. It's like, well, that's kind of every scene. It's every scene. Done. I wonder if no the problem done. is that they are trying to have low level, but they always do major stuff where it's it's always like, no, let's not do that. <laughs> it's like, no, that's too much of this. You're negating too much. From my perspective, this person is always successfully doing little conflict. Yeah. <laughs> then they just don't yeah they don't so, worry about it they're in their heads <laughs> no no it's, there's 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 always low level conflict <laughs> yeah. <with> you. <laughs> yeah so what's your opinion on because now i know i don't want to talk out of school but three different coaches have mentioned <laughs> my theme that we negotiate a lot Oh, God. And I see other teams do that, too. And it seems like this new trap that, that I don't think one seems are falling into. I don't think it's new. Well, it's like the new hot major problem. It's the new you know hot I mean? trap. It's the new hot improv trap. Yeah. So, like, you know, it just seems like every once in a while you'll see a wave across all of improv. Like, everyone's doing this thing. Yeah. Why? So, yeah. So, what do you want to talk about with negotiation? How to fix it? How to note it? How to help? Yeah, it. yeah. Let's talk about all of that real quick. And it, no. <laughs> I think honestly, I think like negotiation happens when people stop reacting mm-hmm. and they are not playing 
with each other, mm -hmm. but playing to win. Hmm, interesting. Sometimes what I've noticed, it seems like people are doing it because they are second guessing their ability to yes and the initiation. Mm -hmm. And so they go like, oh, I don't know. I don't know about that. And, then, and so it yeah. ends up being like, okay, let's disagree with what's going on. Here. And I think like whatever this thing is that's being negotiated, I don't want to see the negotiation. I want to know why you want this thing, why you aren't giving in. I want to, I want to find out more about the history. Mm -hmm. I want to see how it makes you feel that you're not getting the thing that you want. Mm -hmm. I want to see emotion mm -hmm. and I want you to overshare. Mm. My deal for me is I try not to get in my head, but at the same time, I still need to, I feel like I still need to be thinking about what's going on because, mm -hmm. you know, we take these classes oh, and yeah, we, we hear like, use your brain. Right. And in, in classes that we take, we hear like, well, these elements are what works. Like, and you just explained like, well, why do you feel that way? And you know, why aren't you relenting? What, what's the hang up here? Explain that and overshare that. Yeah. <clears throat> Brilliant way to handle the situation. When I'm in scenes, I will often second guess myself with making those choices or those thoughts don't come to mind. Like, like the who, what, when, and where of a scene. Yeah. And I get caught up in like, oh, am I messing up or I'm not doing right? And I'm not thinking about the things that the who, what, and when, and where that I'm supposed to be thinking about. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, man. <laughs> I think like, like people, I feel like more, like the note I give most when I'm side coaching is overshare. Yeah. I just, I feel like I've been saying that for the last few months a lot. I think that that's like the most interesting thing when mm -hmm. people spill the tea yeah. in real life yeah. and in improv. And in improv. And the, the shows that I've seen, like Megawatt, the ones that crush, it's always because people are doing what you're saying. They are, they are always explaining their weird, <laughs> their weird nuance with their character. And it, it, it's what makes scenes yeah. go so well. Honestly, I feel like one of my biggest pet peeves in improv is that when people are withholding because mm. they're trying to trick someone into something. Oh. Like the improviser is trying to trick the other improviser like the or the character? Like the character is like, I'm going to withhold this information because I want to get what I want. I'm going to trick you into it. And they think That's they're really like, so <laughs> funny. And it's like, this is so boring because <laughs> i'm not finding out anything yeah we don't know why like what <laughs> like you like this is not clever this is confusing this is giving us nothing and like who cares whether you get the thing or not i don't <laughs> know about these characters uh -huh. i'll be sure not to do that oh my God, I, no i get so angry about certain <laughs> things it's really it's really bad like <laughs> Like when people are doing a bowling scene and they like don't bowl two balls if they didn't get a strike or like they like mm -hmm. are like two people bowling sort of next to each other. But like, are they on the same lane? I, it just drives me nuts. I don't like it when people drop the physical activity. You can say everything you're saying while continuing to do this thing. Like you yeah. couldn't in the real world. 
if you're at a bowling alley, yeah. just stand there and talk. Like that doesn't happen. You go over, you sit down, you take a sip of your beer, you write down the score. It's probably computerized, but yeah. Oh, sure. I'm um, really I've been... passionate about bowling. <laughs> yeah. I just mean there are things in the environment you can do. Yeah. And the scene. What year is the scene happening? <laughs> Yes. Yes. Okay. But it's but that's the situation, right? Like yeah. there's if you're if you're getting up and you're doing stuff that will look more interesting, but also you are being true to the scene that you started. So like, don't drop it. I like I just I hate it when people just for the few first few moments will do something, and then they're like, all right. I'm no longer... Well, that that speaks to something. Mm -hmm. Like, not just with activity, but if one character, like, wants something and then the other person doesn't give in or brings a scene in another direction, I see people just dropping their want. Yeah. Like, or dropping yeah. their point of view and they're like, okay, I guess we'll go along with your thing. It's like, ew, is this how you are in relationships? <laughs> like, have a backbone. Yeah. You know? You're interesting, too. You know? <laughs> These two things can coexist. Well, I think some people think, oh, if I do my thing, then it steps on their thing. Yeah. But it doesn't. Like they, right. Like they, exactly. Both of those things can be it's in like, there. how are you functionally <laughs> in the world? Right. Are you constantly just deferring and giving up your own thing? Mm -hmm. Like, you, you're worth it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I used to say this to classes all the time that like like a good scene partner is you know doing the same you know it's a lot like a good partner in a mm -hmm. relationship like you bring your own opinions to the table mm -hmm. you're willing to compromise you know and sometimes do what the other person wants to do but you don't bring nothing to the table right like if someone's like hey what do you want to have for dinner it can't just be like i don't know whatever you want you know <laughs> that's it's not cool no I do want to ask another thing, but we're also like, you know, at time. Well, just of, ask but, uh, it. I, when it comes to tagging in the scenes, I feel like I've gotten way more into my head than ever before. Really? Tagging and joining, because I'm always like, don't be a stagehog and don't step on what's going on. And don't, it's always a bunch of don'ts. So I end up just being on the sidelines the whole time and not doing probably enough to help second beats work a little better you know like there should be tags a good bit of tags and second beats and like i'm not doing what it. if you just for a moment to say do and then all of those things like do be a stage hog to say all of them is do's and i just want to hear them uh, to see if it's if it's okay do be a stage hog do go out and be a extra character in the scene. I don't remember exactly everything I said. And uh, do be selfish. Do be selfish. Do be do be do be do be do be do do be brothers. Do go out and tag someone out or sweep at it or or swipe at it rather and change the direction of the scene. Like do step on what people are doing. Is that any of that Yeah. I mean what would happen if you just did all that? Would you really let yourself be so reckless as to <laughs> no, I guess harm not. other people? Like, no, do you, yeah. Like, do you really not trust yourself to like mm. also like make sure point. that yeah. they get in the scene? 
That's true. I wouldn't. And I wouldn't. I think what it is, it's like a perfectionist thing. Oh, it's a, boy, uh, Jason, you got to fix that. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, honestly, if I feel like I can't do something correctly, honestly, then I won't do it. I'm going to say something. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen you perform with your Megawatt team. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think you've ever seen. You've never seen glitter. I've never funny. seen glitter. Okay, but what I will say is that when you play with ADX, mm-hmm. you're always really fun to play with. You're always a pleasure to work with, and I think some of it is that you're working with people where you're like, well, they are going to be able to take care of themselves, so mm-hmm. I can be bold and whatever and shit the stage. We're <laughs> like, I'll, I'll go out there and tag in and yeah, you know, I, be, I, be selfish because they're going to be fine, mm-hmm. right? And I think like you should treat your teammates like that as well. Have that mindset. Yeah. Maybe you do. I, I don't know. I trust them. I think my thing is I don't trust me. And I think part of the difference is I'm guesting with ADX. Mm-hmm. And when I do one-off things like that, then there's not as much pressure, oddly, even though I'm like playing with people I admire. Yeah. But, but I'm oddly sort of like, oh, I can fail. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. but the house team can get cut if i screw oh. up all the time but the thing is the bolder you are the less likely the less like, exactly the less likely we'll get cut if yeah i'm not stinking the bed by just like being a stick in the mind yeah i mean getting like, in everyone's way that way if if maybe like someone came out of your show being like oh god jason's a jerk like, that would be, like, the first person on the planet to say that. <laughs> so, like, I say risk it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I think all of those things are so good mm-hmm. to be to, 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 to be bold is really... And I never see it, like, if I watch ADX or Friday Night Show or uh, a bunch of other teams. When people are playing quick and, and tagging in or walking on or doing a swipe, I'm never like, ah, on the stage. Yeah, that's the thing with ADX too, is that I'll be on the sidelines watching people and I'll just be having the best time. I know, right? I'm like, oh my God, these people are so funny. <laughs> like, it's it's such a joy to pe- people see people let it rip, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, so I don't need to get in my head about it like I am, but I'm always like, oh, but what if I screw everything up for everybody and yeah. get cut because I'm like stinking the bed? I think you should just go into a show and be like, let it rip. Yeah, I honestly should because I'm starting to think like what works is when things are flowing. And if I'm just stagnant, then I'm keeping, I'm a hindrance to the flow. That's how I'm being a problem to my teammates. Yeah. And it's not that, and, and it's because I'm like, I can screw up and it will make for a bad show if I screw up. But I can't affect an entire show. There yeah. are eight people on stage. So if I do something that's not that is no good, well, Michael Brantle's going to come in and do something <laughs> amazing. What form are you doing? We're doing a Herald. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and it was like you know, we got Robson. He just joined, and Hannah Chase is on the team, and yeah. let uh, it rip. And Samar lets it rip, and, and Kyle Cook is just an improviser. <laughs> he just he always says something. That's so out of nowhere and so perfect and funny and uh, under the radar. Yeah, and like Cat, Cat Mayo. Great. The, the class that I took with you was it yeah. Cat, Cat's a neighbor of mine. Oh, yeah, cool. yeah. yeah. I didn't know that. She's so funny. Come to our neighborhood, everyone. <laughs> and and uh, gosh, 
Aaron White and Michael Brantle already mentioned, but Ethan Lark. I mean, everyone's just so great. And I can't mess it up for them because they're going to do good stuff. I also think, like, the more that you, like, get out there, the more reps you're going to get. Right. And then, like, the better we all get, like, mm-hmm. the more we push ourselves, yeah. right? So... Um... Well, that um, director series that I did with you and Armando, Armando gave me a note did about... Did we do an series together? Yes. Okay, great. Yeah. And I stayed on the sidelines a lot because I was in my head about not doing it right. Mm-hmm. And at the end of that show, Armando said to me, you know, get out and you, you don't have anything. Get out because when you sit on the bench, you get cold. It's sort of like basketball. If you're not shooting, you're going to get cold. Yeah. You just want to you know, keep getting shots up. I was like, that's such a brilliant way to put it. That is. We typically create something together. Okay. At the end of episodes. Yeah. And we had a very fun one when you were on before with Elena where you did <laughs> Was it we? You picked a hat from oh. a haberdashery. It was a super fun exercise, and I oftentimes don't even remember what I create with people. I remember that one many years later. But we talked so much about, I feel like exercises. I wonder if we can talk about how to pick exercises, if, like their coaches or, mm-hmm. or teachers listening. You mentioned having a plan. And like how you put that plan together. Or do you have something else in mind that's oh maybe more interesting? Oh my God. Well, you know what's so interesting is that like you talked about taking all these notes and whatever. And I was having lunch with Tina Deshawn earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was talking about like how great it would be if there was like this database of exercises. They exist online, of course. They, yeah, but they have yeah. just different language. So- Right. Schooling. Now, I have some documents floating around with different mm-hmm. exercises, but really, like, ultimately, for me, my catalog lives in my brain. Mm. And in the same way as we as improvisers, like, all the previous scenes and characters live in our brain, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, memory and recall is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we, we don't take notes when we're on the sidelines or back line of an right. improv show. But we remember. So <laughs> I think becoming, for me, being a really good teacher or be, being competent at teaching You're like, teach. relies a lot on memory. Mm-hmm. And like, even when I'm watching a piece in class, I generally am not taking notes. I'm generally giving feedback right away from memory. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And in fact, I think I'm sharper in my notes. You don't have your head down while you're writing. Right. Yeah. So how can everyone get better at memory? Yeah, that's a very good question because so often I'm like, what was the first week I was in it? Yeah. Was that scene? (laughs) And, you know, I'm not perfect at it, Mm -hmm. but I think if you don't, aren't like, Keenly developing your memory, working on your memory for these very like muddy <laughs> things, then you'll be weaker in your improvising and your teaching, coaching, directing. Yeah. I don't know. But I think some of it is really just like intently listening. Yeah. It's like genuinely listening and not like whenever, like meditation, I think is probably a really good way because it gives you tools to ignore certain things. Like if, 
the thought comes to mind is like thinking or a feeling or whatever you like name it and then move on. So if I'm on the sideline or if I'm watching a team I'm coaching show, then if anything pops in there, that's not exactly what's going on on stage. I'm like thinking, you know, like that, like uh, that would really help if I did that. And also I do write notes, but last night I was writing a note and I was like, I don't know what's happening in the scene right now. <laughs> so I ended up yeah. just kind of not paying attention to writing anymore and just focused on the show. And it does make you sharper because you stay in it. So I have an idea. Mm-hmm. Why, why not, after we finish recording, mm-hmm. we go back to our partners and we recreate the entire conversation <laughs> from memory but for them. Just give them like a really long recap, <laughs> detail for detail. And then anything that any responses they give mm-hmm. to this why are you telling me this? I don't want to hear this. <laughs> then we have to like come back to each other. Okay. Replay that conversation. <laughs> and then we just kind of keep pinging back and forth until it becomes like a whole new art form. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Thanks for being on the podcast, Ilana. Thank you so much. It's really fun. You're always really fun to play with. You're always a pleasure to work with. A direct quote from Ilana Fishbein, who many people have heard me say I live for her approval. Spots are available for the Improv and Yoga Retreat happening in Costa Rica in February. If you're interested, contact her about it on ilanafishbine.com, where you will also find info on her applied improv workshops with corporations, nonprofits, and educational institutions. See her perform every Saturday with the Armando Diaz Experience at the Magnet Theater. Fiance of the show and I are sitting in this Saturday. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at There It Is Pod, and subscribe to our YouTube channel at There It Is, and follow me on Twitter at Jason. And for our jokes and Instagram at Jason Farpicks. Go to thereitispod.com for newsletter and support info. Links in bio. Until next time, be good to each other. The music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr. Mm-hmm.